Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor, analysis, analyst, excuse me, and all things remarkable. Should be a great breakdown. First story of the day. Remember the white male who, according to the narrative, stole gas? from a young black female in the state of Georgia at a QT. Well, we have more information and some additional background. So let's go to the video as a reminder, here it is. He's trying to steal my money off the thing, because I already prepaid. I don't know, I think this is who he works for. We ain't had one for some That white male called the young lady a black B word, also threatened to basically smash her hand. And according to her, he was stealing gas that she already prepaid for. The truck clearly says Intech is the company that he either works for or was providing a service for at the time. We have an update to that element. Um, A Georgia man has now been suspended, according to the report. He has been suspended from his job after a video of him bullying and hurling racist insults at a woman at a gas station went viral. The video, which was first posted on Twitter by ATL Uncensored on Friday, shows a white male in a company shirt fueling a company van with gasoline for a pump station that was next to a black woman's car quick trip. This happened in North Druid Hills, Georgia. The worker reportedly threatened to physically harm the woman and called her a black B word. The video sparked outrage, obviously, on black Twitter. Many commenting started calling the man's employer, Intech. Remember that name, Intech. Intech is an industrial machinery manufacturing company based in Beaufort, Georgia. They contacted the company to report the incident. Others also wrote reviews on the company's Google page. All right, so let me make a correction here. Yesterday in the initial reporting, I identified Intech International, which is a global company. Same exact name, the companies have the same name. And I highlighted this guy, his name is Larry Keith. Larry Keith released a statement and big ups Larry Keith for doing this. He said, and I quote, We've become aware that there may be confusion on social media regarding a video posting that shows a man with a logo in his van representing a company called Intech heating and air air conditioning company in a racist laden altercation at a gas station in Georgia. This is completely unrelated company headquartered in Georgia. And that individual is not one of our employees. We can all agree such despicable behavior has no place in our society and is unacceptable. I contacted the people of Intech Global um, and I wanna say this, full throttle. You have my sincerest apologies for allocating part of this story to you. Now, the individual who is in charge of Intech for the state of Georgia is a man named Pat Burroughs. Mr. Pat Burroughs, he's Intech's president, released a statement condemning the man's actions on LinkedIn. The worker has been placed on unpaid leave while the company investigates the incident. 
Now we'll say this as far as the names of this company. To Intech Global, I would highly recommend that you send a cease and desist quickly to this particular company that bears your exact same name. Because at this point, it's probably unavoidable that there will be linkage between this incident and your firm. And based on what I can tell, you have a credible, reputable company. In addition to that, it is quite interesting that Pat Barrows, the individual who is the president of Intech here in the state of Georgia, decided to deactivate his social media accounts, including his LinkedIn account, after the apology was placed online. There's more. We have received numerous calls and messages regarding one of our employees and a recent incident. We are currently investigating this important situation internally, Burroughs wrote. We do not in any way condone acts of racism or disregard of others property and require all employees to treat everyone fairly with professionalism, dignity and respect. Neither the man nor the woman in the video have been identified. The woman alleges she prepaid for the gasoline, the man pumped into the company vehicle. Intech's president said if the investigation finds that the employee was in violation of the company policy, he will be dealt with very strongly to uphold our company values and amends will be made to those harmed. All right, Patrick Burrow, according to a data analytics company, works as president of Intech, which is a commercial and residential construction company with an estimated 70 employees and founded in 1997. They are part of the executive team within the C-suite department and their management level is C-level. Patrick is currently based in Beaufort, Georgia, United States. So we have that clarification on the record. Once again, very thankful for Global Intech giving that guidance on their website, which many of us pushed for clarification. Initially, this seemed as if it was a licensed company under Intech, Intech but once again, they are separate companies. I wanna make sure that it's clear for the record. Now let's go back to the behavior of the white male, who obviously, if this is true, engaged in a significant, significant amount of white privilege and horrible behavior. The black female did the right thing. Not to engage, it could have led to a physical altercation or even worse. She decided to record and document so that we can provide guidance and support as this works through the investigative stage. According to the president of Intech Inc in Georgia, this is being investigated. All right. Jessica, thoughts here. Yeah, I really like Entex global statement a little bit better because to put this person on unpaid leave and say we're going to investigate this, what is there to investigate? You know, there's a video of him calling this woman a black B word. And the boldness of him doing this on the job really highlights systemic racism because women, black folks and people of color have to act much more carefully in their place of work to keep their job. They have higher rates of unemployment, a harder time retaining employment. So it's highlighting racism in that sense, but he was also overtly racist in what he said to this woman. But I like that this story shows that social media can be a very effective organizing tool for us to get justice when situations like this transpire. So that's one good thing. And if you're going to be a hateful person, the chances are in the digital age, there's going to be a record of it. That's right, and as you just mentioned and I echo, 
this young lady did the right thing by making sure there was documentation. She provided um, uh, intel as far as where he worked because we could clearly see the Intech emblem. And she decided to go ahead and post this on social media and the rest is history. So we're gonna look for an update about this story very soon. Okay, the GOP Republicans are trying to create an atmosphere for violence in the United States of America. They don't care about the Constitution. They're not concerned about the rule of law. Remember, these are the same people that misinterpreted intentionally perverted scripture to fit their own particular fantasies, their fantasies of power. They decided to intentionally shed their humanity in order to become the people they are today. So remember the remark from Senator Lindsey Graham, here it is. Say this, if there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. Full stop for Senator Lindsey Graham. He's not saying, no, nobody should riot over this one well-connected, rich, privileged, politically connected white male. He's not saying that. He's saying, if you indict Donald Trump for mishandling classified information, there will be rioting on the street. Wait a minute, Donald Trump is the person who said that when he becomes president, when he was candidate Trump, that he was going to lock up Hillary Clinton for mishandling classified information via email. It was Lindsey Graham who said the protest over the murder of George Floyd should lead the police to arrest members of Black Lives Matter, even if they are not committing criminal offenses. It was Lindsey Graham who also said that Donald Trump was a race baiting xenophobic bigot until he completely lost all backbone support. All right, there's more. MSNBC, Ari Melber centered a segment around Lindsey Graham and the rhetoric coming from the right. Here it is. And this is not just anybody talking, it is a Trump ally, lawyer, and top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee. So he knows better than to just blithely talk up, warn of violence and crime as retaliation against whatever happens in the criminal justice system, which no one, including him, knows what will happen. Senator Graham, going further than most Republican senators. Indeed, many have lately been trying to duck much attention over Trump's secret document scandal. But what is different about Graham? Well, Senator Lindsey Graham is also a witness and a potential participant in Donald Trump's 2020 election plot, which remains under criminal investigation in Georgia. Now, Graham carefully avoided linking his own legal pressure in Georgia to this new apparent warning or threat. Instead, he argued there's some sort of double standard about secret documents, which is the federal case, not the Georgia case. And he argues that if Trump were indicted on that charge, the riots would be concerned about the double standard. They would be about that. There's a lot more to this. So let's be very clear about what's happening. Lindsey Graham is aware that his comments will animate individuals to violence. That's what he's trying to do. He's also positioning what's called a veiled threat against individuals who are corroborating witnesses <clears throat> against the former president of the United States. And in the process, Lindsey Graham is hoping that he provides protection for himself.
You see, when there's chaos and anarchy, rule of, the rule of law is the first casualty. He's okay with that because it may protect him and his allies from actual prosecution. Now, who do you think retweeted this threat against America? Well, none other than who? Donald Trump, real Donald Trump. Um, let's put it up, there it is, that's Truth Social. That's his failing social media company. He decided to promote the violent propaganda that Lindsey Graham already spewed. There's more. Additionally, Melbourne aired this snippet from Trump attorney on Newsmax, here it is. What people are saying is that it had to do with Jan 6, it had to do with a lot of things. At the end of the day, I think that would cause so much mayhem. That would be a monstrous mistake. I also just don't understand. He was cooperating. They had been on premises prior. He had had a subpoena that they coordinated effort with his team to come in. They told us to lock it up, they locked it up. So why, why did you need after two months to have this insane raid? They're simply put. Donald Trump refused to hand over the classified documents based on the subpoenas of the past and the mandates from the National Archives. That's on him. He's an adult male, he's a grown man. He has access to legal counsel, he has money to pay them, and he's well connected politically and also very popular inside of his own base. He can defend himself. But instead of talking about the guilt or innocence of Donald Trump, they try to make it about everything but. Because they know good and damn well that he did in fact steal and hide classified information, a clear violation of the Espionage Act. Lisa Graham is not arguing the innocence of Donald Trump. What he's trying to do is deflect from the reality of what Trump did. There's more. Melba questioned why Trump allies sound like this. And then Melba pointed to a report. A report stating that Trump sent a message to the Department of Justice indicating he wanted to, and I quote, turn down the heat. The host stated the implication was that Trump could just as easily turn up the heat at his whim. Melba goes on to point out that perhaps the GOP think they can scare prosecutors. Let's go to another video, here it is. They also apparently, some of them think they might scare prosecutors out of doing what they would otherwise do out of this potentially likely indictment. Context right now is the serious violence in our country, the ongoing surge in threats and attacks against the FBI, including those fomented by Trump allies, including calls for a quote civil war and quote armed rebellion. Take it together and you have actual violence and planned attacks cheered on by Trump after this violent insurrection with a demand that he is above the law or there will be mayhem, riots. People will pay, maybe people will die, it is brazen. It's in your face, it's right here. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not on the brink of a civil war. We are in the middle of a de facto civil war, right here. These individuals have already committed to violence. They've already engaged in violent attacks. They have planned violence against elected officials. They have training programs around the United States of America. One was so extreme that the local sheriff's office provided the briefing and told them what kind of weapons to bring to the Capitol on January 6th. Finally, Melbourne concluded in a segment, both bad news and historical news. Let's go to the video. Now the bad news tonight, this is not a drill. You see the way they're talking, you see how obviously hypocritical it is, how it goes to larger problems in their ability 
to function within a rule of law society with equality between all people and all races. This may get louder and more serious and more dangerous before we're through with it. I told you that's the bad news. The historical news though, is that prosecutors have faced all of this before. It's what they do for a living. When people openly court violence to try to corrupt their investigations, well, this ain't their first time. But it certainly does not shock or scare them. They are trained to keep doing their job against exactly this kind of crap. At this point, ladies and gentlemen, you will not clear the swamp, so to speak, without charging every single one of them under the RICO Act because of their loose affiliations with each other and their ability to maneuver legally in ways that others may not be as sophisticated to do. They know the game here. Now remember, Georgia still has a criminal investigation against Donald Trump as well as Lindsey Graham and maybe even Rudy Giuliani and more. Forty County DA Fonnie Willis, the woman leading that investigation because of election tampering. Fonnie Willis gave an update to the special grand jury investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election loss. Saying during a press conference on an unrelated case that she expected her probe to conclude by January. Now, Let me remind you of the power of this special grand jury. The state of Georgia allows for a special grand jury to convene for up to 12 months. That is a rarity. It also provides the special grand jury with this awesome power to investigate whatever they choose to. They do not have to remain on the target suspect. Whatever, let's say, rabbit hole they choose to go down, they can. They have that level of investigative prowess. In addition to that, there's a limitation to their power. The state of Georgia does not allow a special purpose grand jury to indict because of the massive power they have to investigate. So once there's a conclusion by this special purpose grand jury, another grand jury will have to be impaneled in order to provide a recommendation for actual indictment. But now we have a timeline for the first time. If the special grand jury issues the recommendation for possible criminal charges by early next year, Bonnie Willis could then convene a regular grand jury, which is authorized to hand up indictments. There you have it, GOP, Republicans, the Christian evangelicals, the moral right of societal structure. The ones who tell you that they are on the side of God and white Jesus are the ones telling you that they are willing to rip this country apart in order to remake it in their own image. And in their likeness, sounds familiar? All right, thoughts here. What you said about us already being in essentially a de facto civil war and the violence already happening couldn't be more true. I mean, January 6th, there were leaders on the right that inspired citizens to commit acts of violence to keep someone who was not democratically elected in office. Now, Lindsey Graham saying we should riot again. This is not justified resistance at all. We also have the right, people like Andy Biggs in Arizona, saying that his constituents need assault rifles to fight the invasion over our southern border, attacking minorities directly. The same language used in many mass shooters manifestos. Also, we've got the one-sided state violence by the police on the black community. And then when the BLM movement a few summers ago really took off, we had members of the right saying that 
they were rioting and they were the violent ones when what they were doing was in response to injustice and to violence. And I'm really grateful that Fonnie Willis is the attorney on this case in Georgia because her father was a Black Panther and she cares a lot about voting rights in this country, about our country going forwards and not backwards. And she says she was quite happy with how jury selection went. I think that's super important and also we have so many members of the right saying that the state is attacking Trump. This is not the state, it's a grand jury of citizens that are going to be recommending criminal charges. And in light of these threats of violence, I hope the grand jury is also protected. Yeah, and I gotta say this about attorney Fonnie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County. I know her quite well, her daughter actually interned me for a period of time. But Fonnie Willis, before she became DA, was always very much so a real prosecutor. Now, I have disagreed with DA Willis on some things. But one thing she is not is afraid at all. All right. So, you know, to the guys who are under investigation, it's coming. Believe that. All right. Here's an update. Remember the cop who decided to rip the prosthetic leg off? of a black male suspect who, by the way, committed no crime. Remember that? Well, now there's a $50 million lawsuit and another update to this tragic story. Here's the first video. You know, I thought I was gonna die in this situation, you know. All of this was excessive, was malicious, and I'm all where it violated his rights. A black disabled man says he was the target of police excessive force and wrongfully arrested in a violent encounter caught on camera. Because it, it was hard finding, there was nothing I could do but just accept the pain. You know, the only reason why they stopped him is because of the color of his skin. 48-year-old Waverly Lucas is an amputee with only one leg. He's accused Suffolk County Police on Long Island, New York, of injuring him, taking his pain medicine for his amputated leg and taking his leg away from him, leaving him to crawl on the ground to get around. He was made to crawl out of the precinct, crawl out of the precinct, and was removed back to the same hospital and had to stay overnight. That's when he was diagnosed with the fractured orbital due to the arrest. Now, Lucas is seeking accountability for what happened to him and has found a lawsuit worth $50 million. You see, they wanted to take away his dignity. They wanted to strip him of his humanity because they themselves do not value people like Mr. Lucas. But you see, we do, we value Mr. Lucas. We know that humanity has nothing to do with status or how much money you make. We know that humanity has absolutely nothing to do with how another person may perceive you. There's more video, here it is. Lucas says he just pulled up to the Gulf gas station in Windeck, New York, a suburb of Long Island on August 18th of last year. And as he was getting out of the car preparing to go inside, he was putting on his prosthetic leg. That's when Suffolk County police officers Michael Casey and Michael Renna approached him, asked him for his ID and accused him of urinating in public. There's no evidence of that. The, what, what's clear is that he had stopped his vehicle and he was attempting to put his leg on so that he could walk into the convenience store. And there's nothing else um, other than that. 
Lucas began recording the police encounter on Facebook Live. The video shows what happens next when police became physically aggressive with him. According to the lawsuit filed over the incident, an officer placed Lucas in a toehold, then grabbed his arms and wrenched them. After pulling his arms and handcuffing him, Lucas was shoved towards the police car to be placed in the back seat. You know, I thought I was going to die in this situation, you know, because, you know, I'm being choked out. And, you know, I don't know if anybody ever been choked out, but you go to sleep. The lawsuit also says officers pulled on his prosthetic leg and threw it in the trunk of the police car, leaving Lucas in serious pain. It was excruciating pain. It's, 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 you know, when someone is trying to uh, bend something that's connected to your body, and when you got your kneecap popping out at the same time, you're not thinking about nothing else but the pain that you're going through. And that's all I, I can, um, all I can remember was excruciating pain. That's what these coward ass cops did to a man who has one leg. They created a false pretext of saying, well, the engagement was due to him urinating in public. The evidence is contrary to their written record. In addition to that, they decided to harm him physically by ripping his prosthetic leg off, which by the way, there's an adhesive which connects flesh to the prosthetic leg. They disregarded the process and injured him even more. And then they decided to make him crawl at the police precinct to embarrass him because they are sick individuals. Let's put up a picture here of Mr. Waverly. Waverly Lucas sitting, chilling, enjoying a day outside. Let's go to the screenshot we have of these ruthless cops. These ruthless cops who decided to rip the prosthetic leg off of this young man. They threw it into the trunk of their police cruiser. Now, what are some solutions here? How can we as a community of thoughtful, caring individuals stop this kind of madness in our local area? Well, one, you can make sure that your local city, your county, that they have a robust and powerful citizens review board. That's number one. A citizens review board that actually has subpoena power is a great, great deterrent to this kind of madness. Now check with your local community, I mean this, check with your local community to see if you have a real citizens review board. And if you do not, it's time to get one. And don't let them create some kind of subcommittee that has absolutely no power to do a damn thing. That committee, that citizens review board, must have subpoena power in order to be effective. All right, Ms. Burbank, thoughts here. Yeah, we value Mr. Lucas and this shouldn't happen to anyone. This shouldn't have happened to him. And it's sad that we live in a country where love, upholding community and having compassion are some of the most radical things you can do in America today. $50 million is the amount on this lawsuit and if you're a taxpayer and you're not someone who already cares about you know, community safety and alternatives 
to policing, when we have police departments that are frequently using excessive force and getting into these lawsuits for discrimination and excessive force. You also have a vested interest in this because these these dollars, they're not coming out of the pockets of the police officers involved. They're coming out of local and state budgets, those are your tax dollars. And so even if for no other reason you support addressing injustice in policing, you should because it's your money. That's right, and listen, don't get upset when a black person says defund the police, but you don't get upset when the police actually defund the police, okay? Mm -hmm. That doesn't connect, so make sure you're consistent in your message. If you are anti-defunding the police, you should be on my side on this story. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Before I do that, I'm going to remind everybody, Unboss with Nina Turner, that's starting October 17th. Big, big deal, had a great conversation with our dear sister yesterday. If everyone watching live right now can take a minute, just 30 seconds and go to youtube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. I want you to click subscribe. That is going to give our dear sister a big boost before her show launches on October 17th. She will expose how the elites in government, media and other sectors game the system and ways you can fight it. Make sure you subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner. Get ready to tune in daily, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Once again, October 17th is the start. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Our next TYT reporter says, why is he stealing gas for a company vehicle? Doesn't his company pay for that gas? Questions unanswered so far. Chicago could not be a dragon. Yes, finally, somebody brings up recall. It's the only way. At this point, it is the only way to get them all. All right, Mickey see the silver hat dragon. Every time we think cops could not possibly be more cruel and hateful, they prove us wrong again and again. Just thinking of ripping off his leg makes me nauseous. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Uh, James, thank you for that, James. James Thompson says, all these old politicians need to retire, take the medicine slash judgment at court too. All right, um, Marion Hope says, where are these tough guy cops when a mass shooter is out? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, remember for three months, Janet the Lolana, thank you so much for that. Love watching your show, I have been watching since day one. Your show is the best, keep going strong. Uh, thank you for that and we will keep going strong because of people like you. Um, also, guest says, uh, member for three months, thank you for that. Uh, we need to end qualified immunity immediately and make a database of every single police officer who commits a horrendous crime, arrest them. Boom, there it is. Remember, George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act would have done both of those things in its original version. All right, got something for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! Yes, I already said that. There's a problem with the machine. It's not me. Well, well, if there's a problem, we'll have to go somewhere else. So. Go somewhere else. It has my card, lady. It has all of my money in it. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a wonderful day. My problem is your problem. You're the one screaming at me first. Good is no good. You don't have any money in there. It's the machine. Have a wonderful day, Karen. Love you.
I love you. Oh. Now I'm sitting here. Ho. You see? You see? You have to be careful how long you engage with Karenicity. It'll bring you in. All right? You'll avoid it going there, but you are getting close. Very simple situation here. There's an ATM machine, whatever it may be, whatever bank affiliate it may be. There's a problem with the machine. Pretty normative, happens to everybody, really. Well, this Karen could not possibly just say, you know what? That's too bad. I'm going to have to go to another location since the machine is broken or it's not operating as it should. But instead, this Karen decided, well, I'm going to blame. I'm going to blame the individual who has informed me why there's a level of inconvenience here and just call her broke and say she has no money. Now, what is this really about? Why do Karens engage in that kind of contrast? Well, it's a way to other a person. Is the engagement of status. She now wants to demean the status of the individual in front of her. So how does she do so? Because according to the Karen, this individual at the ATM, ATM is broke. Well now, because you have determined her status to be not without money, not having income, you can do whatever you want to do now, Karen. Because that person is beneath you. That's the ideology of many of these Karens. It is a complex of status. All right, just sister, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, she said the Karen doctrine here. She <laughs> said, my problem is your problem. That is what Karens <laughs> do. They make something they think is their problem, everybody else's. And sometimes things that are not a problem at all, they make a problem. I encountered a Karen in the wild the other day. I was pulling into a parking spot, parallel parking. And before I could even put my car in reverse to back into this space, someone was yelling at me, <laughs> a Karen, saying, you're in the red. And then I just gave a thumbs up, put the car in reverse, was in this spot. And it's really exactly what you said. They want to other people, they want to feel a sense of superiority because it's it's a lot of privileged white women who are threatened by how our society is changing. The idea of equality feels like oppression for them because they're so used to privilege. That's right, that's right. Uh, let's put up the care and full mass here because uh, obviously this is somebody's grandmama. You need to go ahead and intervene now, okay? Somebody needs to talk to her immediately. Okay, got something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I want ISIS on your ass. I want it in the tank. Where's the No, Karen, no, you're going to be on the news and it's called indisputable. There's more.
be extra extra with caramel. God damn it. Pick up my card now. I said Damn, Karen, it's Dunkin' Donuts. The cops are already there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Karen's a dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, this Karen, highly upset. Uh, she did say bigoted and racist things to those working at this particular Dunkin' Donuts uh, and, and engaged in you know aggressive and rude behavior. There is absolutely nothing that can happen at a Dunkin' Donuts that would cause me to get this damn angry. But once again, I do not suffer from the disease known as Karenicity. So this is a psychological dynamic. And I have been told by psychologists, it may actually be incurable. All right, here's the thing. People that work in service industries, they do us a great, great service. I remember the days when I waited tables and I worked the cashier, It's the hardest work in the world. And you have to deal with egos and personalities, not only internally with the company, coworkers, colleagues, bosses, managers, etc., but individuals that you come in contact with. They don't deserve to be treated like this. And as long as there are Karens in the world who treat individuals who are simply trying to work hard and serve, none of them get paid what they should, none of them get paid what they deserve. As long as that happens, we will have highlights right here. Why? Because we provide a mirror for correction and reflection. All right, this is the thoughts here. The Karens always want the cops, they always want the news. And then when the video gets out and the public somehow doesn't support them treating workers paid potentially below a living wage badly, then they're like, now I'm the one being bullied. No, you are the bully and all of this for donuts Really, is that worth it? I remember bartending and waiting tables and thinking, really, people are disrespecting me over a Miller Lite. Is it worth it? It's not. I promise it's not. Never is. Well, she did ask for the news to be involved. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a news show by category. There you go. We got more on the other side. Is indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone, Unboss with Nina Turner, that's October 17th. Also YouTube opportunity, you can join, become a member of Indisputable, real simple. Just click the join button, three levels to choose from. We'd love to see you there as we continue to engage. Greyhound Dragon says, "Oh no, not channel four, yeah. All right, Chi Chi Massey, thank you, Chi Chi. She had me at whore, uh, but she, you know, 
Chichi uses the other word. I cannot FCC compliance, you know. All right, um, I think this is Luann. Karen wants some extra special frosting on her damn donut. You see, I got some partners that still work in the fast food industry. They would have happily given her the Dunkin' Donut special. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying it's possible. All right, Twitch, uh, Bumble Buzz Dragon. Donuts are too happy of a food for her. She needs to go buy some. <laughs> Some burned broccoli, <laughs> burnt broccoli. Okay, great. So that's interesting. All right, here it is. A seven-year-old hero named Messiah saves a toddler. Make sure ambulance are called. Amazing young kid. Let's put this picture up for Matthew. A seven-year-old child out of California saved a toddler that appeared to be drowning in an apartment complex pool. And after saving the toddler, alerted adults to call an ambulance because of this child's quick thinking bravery. The three year old not only is alive, but has fully recovered. You're looking at Mr. Messiah Brown, already a legend walking among us. Messiah Brown recalled, and I quote, I was just playing in the pool. Then I saw a boy at the bottom of the pool and I went to get him. Well, damn. It was just that simple and instinctive for that seven year old kid. According to Messiah's mother, uh, her name is Tiara Duvall. He dove into the six foot deep pool to rescue the three year old who said, who he said had his mouth and eyes open while drowning. The brave boy managed to get the toddler to the pool surface where a nine year old relative named Savannah whom he had been playing with at the pool, uh, pulled them onto the deck, pulled him onto the deck and alerted adults who then called 911 and started CPR on the child. Sacramento Fire Department said the three year old was breathing when first responders arrived on the scene. He was transported to a nearby hospital and has recovered. Messiah may have gotten his courage from his father. Let me highlight this, his name is Marcus Brown. Marcus Brown, is a boxer who competed for the US at the 2012 London Olympics. He's super empathetic. So for him to do something like that, I mean, for real, it is really nothing out of the ordinary, Marcus Brown said. It's just crazy that he's seven years old and he's doing things like that. Let's put his picture back up again. See, these are the future leaders of our nation. This is why we have to fight the tyrants of the world. To make sure we give this country, we give this planet to people like him. Because he will be our leader. People like him will be a guide for all. Very thankful for this young seven year old who had such courage inside of him that it was instinctive to risk his own life to save the life of somebody else. Imagine if we had politicians who had the heart of young Messiah. If we did, this country will be just absolutely fine. All right, this sister, what are your thoughts here? This gives me hope for the future. What an amazing kid with such a pure heart. I'm of the thinking that 
you know, we all naturally care for each other and we're kind of born to just care about other people and want to help them when they're in times of need or they're struggling. And because of our individualistic society, it's kind of like beaten out of us by how cruel things have been set up. And hopefully many of us return back to being human and caring for each other and unlearning those things. And really we have a stake in doing that to correct how our society set up and fixing those systems that you know preach individualism and destroy our communities. Because this is how it should be. I wish this was just another day in the world. People just help each other, but instead He's a hero and he really is. He's living up to his name, Messiah. But I love this story. It's such yeah. a good story. It's a remarkable story, a remarkable family, a remarkable young man. All right. Horrific. Doctor, a medical doctor, violates the trust of those who he cares for, injects them with unauthorized chemicals. So that he can buy a big ass mansion, put up the mansion. This um, this charlatan has been arrested. A doctor from St. Louis, Missouri, has been sentenced to prison for healthcare fraud, a scheme that bought him basically that castle. He decided to pocket money using knockoff drugs and putting them inside of patients. Let me give you some background. So in April, a jury, a jury found Dr. Abdul Nashad, 58 years of age, and his wife, Wajaha, 47, guilty of one count of conspiracy and one count of healthcare fraud. The doctor, Abdul, was sentenced to a year in prison while his wife was given three years probation. That's all, that's all they got. The family will have to also pay $235,977 to insurers. The drug in question is a drug called Orthovisc. It's an FDA approved version, the FDA approved version of which is only sold by authorized distributors in the United States. According to a statement issued by the United States Attorney's Office, for over a decade, over a decade, this doctor injected patients under their care with a cheaper version of the medicine, which was imported from overseas, had not, not been approved by the FDA. At one point, the FDA actually intercepted a shipment of this foreign unapproved version of the drug headed to the doctor's office. In response to this, the doctor had a future shipment sent to their home which further incriminated themselves. See how that works? These individuals have degrees, these individuals think they are smarter than everybody else, and they are corrupt to the core. In order to continue to make that money, instead of stopping this illegal, unethical, and dangerous operation, they decided to say, hey, let's just ship the illegal drugs directly to us. Well, that's what got them. Assistant US Attorney Derek Wiseman said in a court, uh, said in court that the Nashad's elderly and impoverished patients were deceived so that they could live a lavish lifestyle, which included buying a mansion according to the report. All right, put that mansion back up again, okay? This is what conning, deceiving, 
and criminality got them. The US Attorney's Office seemed to be referring to a seven bedroom, bathroom, excuse me, seven bathroom, four bedroom house in town and country. Uh, they purchased this for 2.2 million and it has all of the bells and whistles. Isn't that something interesting, right? Now, here's what I wanna highlight about this story. Obviously, I don't give a damn what degree they have, they're, they're criminals. Okay, doing this to individuals who were poor and elderly, who did not really know better because they depended on the sophistication, the education, the expertise of their beloved doctor. The doctor took advantage of it. So why is it that they only got a slap on the wrist here? They literally put the lives of many in danger for over 10 years, over a decade. So you mean to tell me? That over 10 years of a crime will get a doctor a one year sentence and the co-conspirator probation. No, once again, the powerful are able to navigate judicial systems in ways that those who do not have access to power and money could not. All right, this is the thoughts here. Absolutely, our corporatized health care is disgusting. We know the FDA is terribly corrupted by big pharma. Many of these big pharmaceutical companies fund the research conducted by the FDA and on behalf of the FDA. Many of these big pharmaceutical companies pay the FDA's salaries. And so of course, if these big pharma companies will pay off the FDA, if they can't get a approval from them, they'll pay doctors directly to prescribe those medicines. Then doctors are in the habit of now using their profession, which is supposed to be curing people who are sick and helping people who are sick as, as a money making scheme is how they're treating it. And this is why so many people are losing faith and, and trust in government. Recently, we had the case in Arkansas where a doctor was testing ivermectin with an unapproved experiment on inmates. And in this case here that we're, we're discussing now, the folks were impoverished and often elderly. And let's not forget the, the Tuskegee syphilis trial. There are yep. so many reasons why people don't trust our healthcare system in the United States and really the inequities and corruptions and corruption seeps into every facet of life in America, medicine included. When you're worried for your life, you know, you could have this very corruption jeopardize it. That's right, and it's not based on actual care, it's based on profit, it's based on revenue. There's not, the, the level of money in preventative care does not compare to the level of money that's in treatment. The level of money in cures does not compare to the level of money in treatment. Um, and so they rather treat something forever rather than actually cure something or prevent it. That's the dynamic that money has created in our healthcare systems. We have more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, a lot of show left, let me read some of these comments. Okay, Mountain Dragon says, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to tear up for a good reason again. This kid would change the world over and over again. We're lucky to have him on this planet, there you go. Yep, um, Sonia Z, thank you so much for that, Sonia. Okay, uh, Pitchfork's Dragon, it's nice to have a good news story in the mix. It is, isn't it? It's the absolute good thing. Natural born Keeler, uh, member for three months, thank you so much for that. 
says, love indisputable, the doctor's a real role model. I don't know about that, there are plenty of people that would disagree, but I appreciate your sentiment. Deb Libra, welcome to indisputable, thank you for joining. We appreciate you being here with us. All right, and Bumble Buzz Dragon says, a clear consequence of our healthcare system, evil people with power harming their patients for money. I'm sure it's not rare, there you go, it's correct. All right, what if I told you, what if I said to you, an innocent black male spent over 30 years in prison because of his defense lawyer and the prosecution? Put up the picture, that's exactly what happened to Sullivan Walter, New Orleans man, who was wrongfully convicted for rape, has now been freed after 36 years in prison. He was freed from the state prison on on August 25th, 2022. Why? Because a judge overturned his conviction. The New Orleans man was 17 years old when he was arrested, prosecuted as an adult and sentenced to 39 years for rape and burglary that he never committed. And his defense lawyers knew it. Let me give you the background. Neither Walter's defense attorney nor prosecutors presented the DNA evidence at his trial. His semen reportedly was not a match for the assailant who held a knife to a woman's throat on May 9th, 1986 and threatened to harm her eight year old son while he slept. The suspect mostly wore a mask and the room was reportedly dark, but the victim now deceased identified Mr. Walter as the culprit six weeks later. So remember, prosecutors also have a sworn duty to present evidence that may exclude an individual who has been targeted for investigation or prosecution. A defense attorney also has a moral obligation to present the best defense possible for their client. You literally have both attorneys violating rule of law, standard protocol, ethics, and the bar. Both of them, there's more. Detectives added Mr. Walter's picture to a photo lineup shown to the woman after after he was arrested for an unrelated crime. The victim made a cross racial identification. Studies show they can increase the chance of mistaken identity. The victim's identification was the only evidence used to convict him. Now remember what year this happened. This was at a time when all you had to say was a black man did it and that black male would get convicted. Hell, it's almost like that today. There's more to this story according to the reports. The seminal fluid retrieved from the woman's shorts showed that the perpetrator had a non-secretor blood type. However, no one tested Walter's blood to see if this was him. Two years later, after Walter filed an appeal, his blood was tested and it showed he could not be the individual identified. Still, still, even after all of that, his request for a new trial was denied, denied and denied. Because the expert who presented the results in the trial backtracked on the findings, saying he could not say where the fluids were from 
a non secretor. Local prosecutors said the district attorney at the time asked the experts to, and I quote, fudge, fudge the findings. Once again, another illegal act. Let's put up the picture of this father son duo, because this is a fascinating backstory. An Innocence Project New Orleans report shows Harry Connick Sr., that's the father of Harry Connick Jr., was the DA from 1973 to 2002. That particular person, that DA, had a track record of withholding evidence that would acquit defendants. The report points to at least 34 cases where evidence was withheld during Connick's tenure, including nine. Count them, nine death row cases. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, black people make up about 13% of the country's population, but damn near 50% of wrongful convictions in the United States of America. Okay, so what happens now? Are they talking about arresting the attorneys who were involved? Or maybe the other legal representatives who failed? This black male who was a kid at the time of arrest and railroading, no, they're going to let it go. He will likely get some kind of payout. But the individuals who were in charge of this criminal action against him, they will not face jail time like he did. He's an innocent man who was put in prison because of criminal and corrupt attorneys. What happens to them? Will they be disbarred? Will they face charges at some point? Likely not. Routinely, we allow for corrupt actors to get away with corruption when they're inside of the judicial system or the criminal justice system at large. You see, I have a theory, I have a sentiment, I have an expression. Here it is. Those who are inside of the criminal justice system as administrators should actually be held to a higher standard of accountability. Not a lower one. That's the way we send a message clearly. If you want to be engaged in criminal actions against citizens in this country, and we give you positions of public trust, if you are caught, you will face a more severe penalty than anyone else. That's how this should work. All right, Ms. Burbank, thoughts here. Yeah, this goes to show that women who have been raped are not the only people suffering from police not testing rape kits. They've got backlogs in the thousands. But this case specifically also got me thinking at this point, we really need an audit and review of every case seriously where someone has been put in prison, especially black Americans. People's lives are ruined today still every day by systemic injustice, but we should start with the oldest cases as well. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind that the 13th Amendment, slavery is still legal. It states specifically slavery is legal or illegal except as punishment for a crime. So if this young man was in a for-profit prison and was forced to do labor while in there, I think we need a precedent setting Supreme Court case where his constitutional rights have been violated. Because even the people I talk to who are not especially critical of the penal system are very critical of for-profit prisons. Yeah, well said, very well said. There's a man on the loose who pulls out a gun during a traffic altercation. Here's the video. 
still a lot of unanswered questions, but we have some information to provide. Okay, let's put up the screenshot for mass. We do know this was in San Antonio. So a man in San Antonio gets out of his car, points a gun at a woman who unintentionally cut him off on Interstate 10. We know that right now. There is a reward leading for information connected, leading to leading um, to information connected to apprehending this individual. It happened in July, all right? The video shows the man driving aggressively. Authorities said a Jeep cut off the guy after the driver merged onto the highway. When traffic came to a stop, the guy got out of his car, pointed a gun at the other driver, then got back in his car and drove off. Texas ranks first in the nation, first for road rage shootings. That's according to a new report. The car insurance, the Jerry, the car insurance savings app, the number of road rage shootings has doubled, has doubled in recent years. The New York Times reported in April 2018, 247 road rage shootings were reported across the US. That number jumped to 522 in 2021. Data from the Every town for gun safety and the gun violence archive show that Texas, Florida, and California have the highest reported numbers of fatal road rage shootings over the past five years. Texas had nearly tripled the number of shootings compared to Florida and California. Let's put up the graphic so people see how this report looks. Now, do you think it's a coincidence that Texas is the let's all have a gun and not have a reason or permit to use it, to carry it. Do you think there's a there's a correlation between the gun heavy culture of Texas and the fact that they have more of these shootings than anybody else on the planet Earth? All right, that's why policy matters, okay? All right, just just a thoughts on this. Yeah, people are sick, uh, they're unwell. To result to violence for traffic infractions, even if you can say that the person who was driving that you're mad at did something wrong, insane to take it to that level. But also it has me thinking about public transportation. The car lobby has really pushed so that we don't have good public transportation in the United States. Someone can't cut you off if you're on a high speed rail train to work. That seems like a pretty good solution. And the fact that we don't invest in public infrastructure and public transportation is a part of this problem. Like the traffic is bad, but also people are sick and that's why they're resulting to using guns. There's no excuse no matter how bad the traffic gets. But I do think public transportation is a, a modern solution to the problem of road rage because even those who don't result to violence, many people tell me they get extremely stressed out while driving. And I'm not subject to this, but I've heard many stories that driving in general is a stressor. Yeah, well, you know, I drive. I haven't pulled out a gun on anybody, thankfully. Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. What's happening? Welcome back. Got a lot of show left. Okay, let me read some of these comments. YouTube, 
Bernie the Kiwi Dragon says he served most of his sentence. They need to compensate him for all those years he was in prison. That's right, that's right. And literally, he damn near served every ounce of what they gave him at 17 years of age. You're so right. Um, a Risden, how's the constitutional carry going? Exactly. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Uh, PSA, you may not be the only one driving with a gun. Remember that before walking up to someone's car like that. That's right, because according to Texas law, if the other driver would have just shot him dead, it would be completely permissible. Okay, the judge says to a clerk, call your massa. Let's put up the judge full mass here, okay? Let me give you a background to this. So a black ex-clerk of a New Orleans judge says the judge fired her because she reported the judge's alleged use of racist language and because she refused to sign an affidavit that said she was inaccurate. So New Orleans Parish Criminal District Court Judge Laurie White allegedly told then intern clerk Patrice Warren in her courtroom to go call your massa. Additionally, Warren said her formerly amicable relationship with Judge White changed after the clerk refused to sign an affidavit related to White's defense against sexual harassment allegations. Warren, who was dismissed on July 28th, reported the alleged use of the racist language in a letter to court officials as part of the request for reinstatement. Another individual in the courtroom corroborated Warren's recollection of the white judge using the racist language during the June incident. But that person requested anonymity, fearing retaliation, as has already been seen. In February, Judge White was accused of repeatedly harassing a court employee, both inside and outside of the courtroom. A copy of an eight page affidavit about the case notes that White gave her accuser lingerie at a holiday party in December of 2021, which Warren claims made the individual appear uncomfortable for some time after receiving it. Judge White's excuse for the incident and termination. Here it is. All right, remember, this is a judge. This is a legal scholar. This is a person that understands rules of evidence, defense, prosecution, how to present things for the record. Here's what the judge said, according to Judge White, she fired Warren because the clerk received a second DWI conviction and performed subpar work, which constituted a violation of trust and obstinate behavior. In a text message to the PQN, White said she learned of Warren's second DWI on July 12th, after she pleaded guilty and drove to work with a suspended license. White fired her two weeks later. The judge also claimed that she used the word master, not massa, and that her intention had been misinterpreted. All right, wait a minute now. So the judge is saying, wait a minute, I said, call your master. I didn't say call your massa, totally different things here. This is what the judge said in all the defense, okay? It's not intended to be or not intended as a derogatory adjective or noun, nor a racial slur or negative comment, the judge said. I used the term likening him, the intern's employer, as a legal master, taskmaster, 
to this student intern and associates, you know, like Jedi Master, or as a pronoun used by a local music artist, Master P. Damn it, Judge, you done went too far bringing Master P into this. Okay? All right? Master P, ma'am, you should be disbarred for this. Warren, who also denies hiding details of her DWI from Judge White, said the judge sent her harassing text in an effort to convince her to sign the affidavit. The former clerk did not give any evidence of those texts, according to the local paper. Well, isn't that something? All right, so let's put some things aside for just a minute. Okay, there's a lot going on here. But the judge's reason that she puts on record is so insane that I conclude the judge is obviously guilty. It's insanity to believe that somehow this judge was referring to a Jedi master or Master P in her reference to call your master. All right, my dear sister, what are your thoughts here? You know, we know that. Black Americans are five times as likely to be incarcerated as white Americans. We know that 80% of judges are white in this country, 86% of lawyers. And when you have a young biracial law clerk be treated like this, it's disgusting, right? They want to partake in the justice system, they want to help things change, and this is how they're treated. And the excuse, Jedi Master, I will. Give it to the judge, it's creative, but I do not buy it. This story is insane. Jedi Master, really? There you go. Ridiculous. All right, all of that legal training, Jedi Master. Okay, Um, QAnon, they tried to lock up the police. They literally, literally tried to arrest the police. Here it is. On the weekend, a group of people called on others to go and arrest the police, members of the Peterborough Police Department. But in the end, it was some of those protesters who were arrested. At Peterborough's police station, an ordinary Monday. What unfolded here on Saturday was not. The weekly anti-government protest downtown took a twist after this woman, Romana Dedulo, in the motorhome, called on people to arrest members of the local police. They 100% believed that they could arrest the police, and I wouldn't be surprised if they tried again. A group went to Peterborough Police Headquarters, and some tried to carry out the wishes of a woman who calls herself the Queen of Canada. She's espoused anti-government, anti-vaccine views for months. People really believe in what she says her followers do to the point where they you know, quit paying their bills because she told them that they no longer have to pay them and some are losing their homes. The hell? Now we'll say this, uh, nobody was shot and killed in the attempted arrest and the fighting of the police. Let me give you some background to this really, really insane story. All right, let me give you background on the ringleader, D. Dulo. The self-proclaimed Queen of Canada arrived in the city in a crowd-funded RV on Saturday along with a group of 30 individuals. This person for months has called for the arrest and killings of anyone involved with Canada's rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. Her followers 
with 70,000 on Telegram. Many staunch anti-vaccine supporters often deliver cease and desist letters to organizations demanding they end their crimes against humanity. In a message, she asked her followers to meet in Peterborough to detain the police in their Water Street station and wait for the military to arrive and arrest them. Let's put up some additional pictures from that assault. It's quite interesting. Um, in addition to the police, they also assaulted a counter protester. Local police are still seeking the perpetrators. QAnon, QAnon Canada. Now this is what happens when you indoctrinate a particular group to believe whatever you say, okay? This is dangerous, this is bad, and this is exploiting the mindset of people who they know will believe this insanity, this extreme proclamation. But they did it. Now, this is probably a test. If individuals can be animated to go and literally try to lock up the police because you made a statement, what else do you think you can get them to do? That's why this occulted like movement connected to the conservative party is so vile. All right, thoughts here, dear sister. QAnon is so interesting because the real corruption and the real conspiracies in our country are just far more interesting than anything the mind of man could invent. Let's think about the actual deep state, what the FBI has done to civil rights leaders and That's labor right. activists, the CIA cooing countries abroad. You know, QAnon is kind of a distraction from what's really going on in our country and the fact that these people who are conspiracy theorists are emboldened enough to try and arrest a cop. But people like us who are aware of the corruption of the police don't try and citizen arrest cops who use excessive force. Mm. Kind of interesting, but I also do think the QAnoners are not worried about being shot by the police because they're white conservatives as well. Yep, there you go. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Always great to be on. I'm on Rebel HQ here at TYT, the power panel on Fridays, TikTok, Twitter, all of those places. Love Indisputable, always great to be on. And we love you being here. Reminder, deep dive is next. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.